This is That Marketing Podcast. Made by marketers for marketers. Welcome to another episode of That Marketing Podcast. Today we're going to explore account-based marketing with the help of Robert Norum. Robert is a very experienced B2B marketer. He's been in the industry for 30 years, working both for agencies and clients. Account-based marketing has been his specialism since 2011. Also a trainer as well as uh, an active practitioner, alongside his own consultancy, he has delivered the ABM Essentials course for B2B marketing for the last three years. So absolutely the perfect person to explain what ABM is, why it works, and how you can incorporate it into your marketing. Robert, thank you very much for joining us today. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Account-based marketing is one of those topics that's been around for a while. Everyone's pretty much aware of it, but not everyone necessarily knows the details. Can you give us sort of a a nutshell of how it works? Yeah, I'll I'll do my best. So um, account-based marketing, I think uh, everybody's familiar with the acronym and everybody would understand, obviously, um, that ABM is is effectively account-based marketing. The the biggest challenge, I think, is, is understanding that this isn't something that is owned and driven and delivered solely by marketing. Um, it definitely requires sales and marketing to be working uh, closely together, um, initially in the account selection process to choose a, a company's most important accounts or, or target accounts, um, and then working really closely together to, um, first of all, develop the insight that you need in terms of understanding the sector or the account in question, um, and then from there to develop a clear strategy that is brought into um, by all parts of the organization, um, and then to create some specific value propositions and messaging that are either unique to the account or the, the sector in question. So it's really about getting sales and marketing to work incredibly closely together, to focus on your most important accounts, and then to land really tailored communications into those accounts that are obviously going to feel relevant, timely, um, and personalized for the accounts in question. Once you've got marketing and sales talking and understanding those insights what are the what are the essential elements in the tool to be able to do abm well where should we be looking to get the kind of insights we need about our our client base or our leads yeah that's a really good question i mean i think insight is obviously a, a big term or a generic term and i think each company has to find the right approach to research and insight that they can obviously um a afford um, and B, then deliver on a consistent basis. So there are, there are obviously third-party consultancies and agencies that will do the research. There are uh, information platforms out there, uh, discover.org, LexisNexis, et cetera, that will help. But the key thing, I think, is that you have a replicable model um, that gives you a level of consistency across accounts and across sectors. Uh, and of course, some companies do have internal insight teams and internal research teams. So that's another option as well. Is an account-based marketing approach suitable uh, for every industry? Yeah, that's a question I get asked quite a lot, actually. And I, th- I think the short answer is it, 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 it could be and it probably should be. Um, it, if I look at my personal experience over the last eight years, it, ABM has definitely been driven by the technology sector. Uh, and I think that's largely down to the fact that, um, you know, the technology sector has typically uh, long sales cycles, complex solutions, um, typically a, quite a complex buying chain um, in terms of different stakeholders and different influences and so forth. 
and I guess for for another kind of driver would be that the, the technology sector are probably early adopters in in quite a lot of things. So I think technology is is you know has al almost been the driver, uh, but there's no question now that financial services, professional services, pharmaceutical, manufacturing, you know, it, the the industries that are adopting ABM are, are I think expanding on a annual and maybe even a monthly basis you know if i look at my training for b2b marketing then the cross section of companies attending that um, is definitely you know getting broader but by, by the session almost so uh, i would say in principle um, abm is suitable for every industry um, i think the key thing is you need to be looking at really large scale opportunities um, and you obviously need to match the kind of ABM you're going to be adopting to to the, the size of the order value, if you like. You know, if you're looking at multi-million dollar deals, of course, that lends itself to one-to-one. -to -one. If you're looking at 500K to a million, um, then that might lend itself to one-to-few. If you're looking at sub-500K um, or, or well down from there, then you're probably looking more at a, a one-to-many play. So I think... Um, in terms of the companies it's appropriate for, you, you need to be targeting large complex organizations. You probably need to be uh, thinking of, in terms of a large complex sales cycle. And you definitely need to be, um, if you like, scaling your ABM or tiering your ABM to make sure that it's appropriate for the size of the prize or, or the order value that you're shooting for. And I think that would dictate, uh, as I've mentioned, you know, whether you're going down a one-to-one -one route or one-to-few or one-to-many. And by the way, those uh, different bands are not mutually exclusive. So it may be that you have a, you know, um, if you like a blended ABM program where you have two or three accounts in a one-to-one -one play, two or three sectors in a one-to-few play, and then the rest of your enterprise accounts being covered off um, using the one-to-many side, which of course is where you would expect to be using digital marketing and, and uh, technology platforms. In that case, is there a lower boundary where ABM stops being appropriate, particularly in terms of, of company size or the average order value that you're putting in? Yeah, I think there is. You know, I mean, I do get people asking me whether you can do ABM to SMEs. And, and I think, you know, if you're talking about targeting thousands of companies, then that's really a bridge too far for ABM. And for me, that's just intelligent marketing to, to a market sector or to you know, the SME community, for example. So I think ABM is at its strongest when you're cherry picking your your largest accounts or your largest prospects. They're, they're likely to be enterprise accounts. They may be uh, global organizations. And specifically, you need to be, I think, thinking about, um, you know, a, a pretty high value solution. Um, as I mentioned, I think the one-to-many play, you know, which in, in my world would be perhaps a couple of hundred accounts, um, that gives you an opportunity to scale ABM. But even a couple of hundred accounts obviously is, is still pretty focused. You know? And I think if you're looking at demand gen on a much broader basis where you're targeting thousands of accounts, for me, that, that's probably questionable that, that that would fit neatly within an ABM strategy. Um, and I certainly think as you come down the food chain, you know, SMEs and lower value solutions, you know, tens or twenties of, of thousands of pounds at a time are, are probably going to be quite a stretch for you to to make ABM work. It's not to say that you couldn't take an ABM approach, if you like, and say, well, I'm going to do as much research as I can into the sectors I want to target. 
I'm going to come up with as a tailored value propositions wherever I wherever I can as well. But I think if you are taking that out to, to thousands of companies, you're really talking about demand gen rather than account-based marketing. Is there an argument then that you could take an ABM approach for say your top 50 biggest spenders and then a more traditional approach to to the rest of your base or does that just dilute both efforts and leave them both less effective i definitely think that you could um have you know two different approaches in play at the same time and you know whilst i'm a huge advocate obviously of abm um you know it's not to say this is the only marketing option in town so i think you know demand gen um, brand building you know general awareness in the market are not things that cease to have value um, if you're running an ABM program. Um, from my point of view, I think, um, you know, I would, I always encourage, you know, my customers or, or people that I'm doing the training for to think about your most important customers and then to segment them intelligently. So it, it may be that you have 250 enterprise accounts, you know, in the UK, or maybe you've got 500 enterprise accounts across EMEA. It may be that you want to have some kind of ABM activity into those accounts. Then, of course, you're going to have to think intelligently about which ones are going to make the one-to-one -one play, which ones are going to make one-to-few, and, and how would I use uh, digital marketing to enable me to do a one-to-many play. But I think um, it, it needs to be a very focused set of accounts, and you really need to know why they're in the program. For companies outside of that core set of accounts, then I think that's where you are looking at more traditional forms of of demand gen or, or general market awareness, brand building and so forth. In terms of those structures, does the sales funnel start to look very different once you've got an ABM approach in place? Yes, I mean, the sales funnel obviously is, is going to coexist with any ABM program. Um, from my point of view, I think um, ABM is typically about looking at your very most important accounts. So if you think of a, a triangle or a pyramid, which you probably would have seen if you've done any cursory research in, into the ABM um, positioning or story, then right at the top of that, you have one-to-one. -one. And I think if you're, if you're looking at one-to-one -one accounts, then really you're working, um, you know, sales and marketing working really closely together to identify not just, you know, the key drivers for the account, but actually the, the, the individuals you want to talk to. So on that basis, I think it, it kind of coexists with the funnel um, and it, it's less about traditional, um, you know, MQLs or SQLs and driving people through that funnel. It's more about engagement with a particular account at a particular time. Um, if you if you drop down, you know, the triangle into one to few, then inevitably you're looking at more accounts. But even there, you're probably only looking at five, ten, maximum fifteen accounts in a particular sector. And again, I think you would be looking at those accounts very much on a on a personalised basis where you're sitting down, you know, sales and marketing are sitting down uh, on, a, on a monthly or a weekly basis to review progress on the account. So for me, the funnel probably plays more in the one-to-many play, which is clearly not pure ABM, um, but it's an overlay of account-based marketing with demand gen. And then you're obviously looking at a larger number of accounts and you probably would be looking at the sales funnel, um, you know, in, in, in a more generic sense. Given that ABM prioritizes, as you said, a one-to-one -one approach, how can a marketing automation platform um, assist you in, with an ABM approach, if it can at all? Well, I think if you're looking at one-to-one, -one, um, you're clearly going to be developing strategy, value propositions, and messaging before, before you do anything. I mean, obviously, you need the research and insight even before that. 
And I think you're going to work out exactly how you want to communicate with the customer in question. Now, if you're talking about targeting five or 10 C-level execs, then marketing automation may in fact not be the right place to go at all. Um, but of course, if you're targeting a large organization, there's a strong possibility that they're going to be geographically dispersed and that you're going to be looking at a lot of um, users and influencers through, through the buying chain. So I think if you, even if you're looking in a one-to-one -one context, there's a good chance that you would want to be landing um, you know, a broad base of digital communications to a large number of influencers or stakeholders within that organization. And that, I think, is where a marketing platform comes in. If you, if you look in the one-to-few space, uh, again, you might be looking at senior execs and you might be communicating with them on a highly personalized basis, which may not lend itself to, to digital comms. But again, you're going to have that wide cross-section of, of people um, within the organization that you know are also important to be um, communicating with and engaging. And then I think on the one-to-many play, of course, that's where uh, a marketing platform or digital comms come into their own. And inevitably, if you're looking at potentially dozens or even hundreds of companies, um, then that's absolutely where you would want you know, a marketing automation platform. Given these differences that an account-based marketing approach has, like you said, the, the funnel being a slightly separate thing and different platforms coming into play. What are the key, are the key metrics for success in ABM different to previous sales processes? Inevitably, you know, you could take um, metrics and, and KPIs from, from other marketing uh, approaches and, and there would be some degree of relevance. Um, you know, clearly at the end of the day, we're, we're looking for pipeline, we're looking for sales opportunities and we're looking for revenue and those things don't change. Where I think things probably are slightly different in, a, in an ABM context is you're typically looking to start by really understanding the customer. Um, so really getting you know, under the skin of the customer's business drivers and pain points um, and obviously you know, using research and insight to, to drive that. And, and the reason you're doing that is you really want to be able to put yourself in, in the shoes of the customer to understand what's keeping them awake at night so that you can um, come up with the right value proposition and messaging, obviously, to engage with them. So I think uh, from my point of view, particularly at one-to-one -one and one-to-few levels, this is really about creating a value proposition and a story that's going to engage the customer. So this is absolutely not about leads, and that's why I think things like MQLs and SQLs become less relevant in an ABM context. And this is really about understanding, it's about engagement, it's about building a dialogue, and obviously, ultimately, it's about building relationships with the people that you want to do business with. Um, and of course, typically, you're going to be looking at a, a, at a sort of high value solution in ABM and you're going to be looking at a, a relatively long sales cycle. So this is not really about quick wins. It's about building long term relationships. Um, and I think from that point of view, it requires a different mindset when you're looking at measurement and when you're looking at KPIs. You've already mentioned the mindset there. Is that the, the biggest blocker to, to getting started that you come across, or are there are others that companies need to be aware of when they're considering starting this approach? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I think mindset, you know, is probably a key word. People have talked about ABM actually requiring almost a change management program within the organization. And I think for companies to move from, you know, we, we do push marketing where we're looking to generate demand, where we're looking to create large volumes of leads, where marketing hand those over to sales, 
and then sales qualify and move forward. You know, to, to move from that uh, approach to saying, we're going to focus on our top 10 accounts this year, or we're going to focus on our top 50 accounts, um, requires quite a big change of mindset. Um, and I think, you know, both marketeers and sales uh, and the sales organization, you know, need to refocus to, to understand that actually it's not even Pareto's law of 80-20. It's probably more like 90-10 in terms of where most of your revenue is going to come from in a given year. Communicator have just relocated their offices and there's been a bit of a shuffling of desks. In your experience of helping companies actually put this together, does does the physical proximity of the sales and marketing teams actually sitting together, does that come into it at all? Yeah, another good question. I mean, I think, you know, clearly the logistics of where a company is based and where the sales and marketing people are located is not necessarily within, you know, an individual or even a company's control. But I think getting sales and marketing to be spending time together on a regular basis, to be understanding each other's drivers, issues, pain points, et cetera, is pretty important. And, and a key part for me, you know, of, of the ABM process is actually co-creating the strategy in workshops, in face-to-face -face sessions, you know, worst case uh, on, on web calls and co-creating the value proposition and messaging. So rather than it being a sort of, uh, if you like, a virtual relay race where marketing are handing off a baton to sales, I think actually it should be the two teams working together on the project uh, on an extended basis rather than marketing doing something that then gets handed to sales that then gets handed to somebody else. Um, what you're trying to do, I think, is to create a holistic experience for the customer where you have a 360 degree view of what's going on and you are in complete control, if you like, of how your organization is speaking to, to a prospect or a customer. With those tips and strategies in mind, who's a good example of someone that's doing an account-based marketing approach really, really well that we could be looking to for inspiration? Well, that's a challenging question, obviously, because I'm sure a lot of companies out there think they're doing it really well. But I think historically, you know, you would talk about companies like Oracle doing it really well. You would talk about SAP. There are organizations like Citrix and VMware that have been doing it for a long time as well. So, uh, you know, those are just the, the brands that I'm familiar with in terms of uh, an ABM context. But there's, there's certainly no shortage of, of good case studies you know, and of course, there are companies winning awards for ABM programs each year. B2B marketing clearly do that on an annual basis. ITSMA, Serious Decisions, you know, if, if you look at any of their uh, websites, you will find award-winning companies doing ABM, obviously, at a high standard. Beyond those award websites, if someone's trying to dive more into ABM, wants to get their head around it a bit more before diving in. Can you recommend us some resources people can, can read or watch that will really get them get them into that right mindset to get started? Yeah, again, the, the names that I've kind of rattled off already would be the first point of call, I think. You know, so B2B Marketing uh, have a good website with a lot of content on, on ABM and they produce white papers and, and they do research in the sector. Serious Decisions uh, have a lot of content around ABM. ITSMA is a, a sort of thought leader, if you like, in the ABM space. And Bev Burgess, who's been driving their ABM practice for many years, uh, has also written a really good book, uh, which is The Practitioner's Guide to Account-Based Marketing. So I think that's a, a really solid read if you're looking for more, more in-depth information. Uh, of course, I run uh, monthly training sessions for B2B marketing, which is uh, quite a good starting point for, for people kind of at the beginning of their ABM journey. 
And then I think some of the consulting firms I've mentioned you know, would be able to help, obviously, as you get more sophisticated or, or you need more in-depth help. There seems to be a trend potentially just higher up in uh, sort of CMO level of shorter tenures for marketing roles. Does that kind of trend threaten the, the, the power of ABM or the strength of ABM, or is it not something you're concerned about? Well, I think ABM has, has taken on a life of its own. You know, I mean, it, when I started working in ABM eight years ago, it, it really wasn't a, a familiar term in the industry and it wasn't being widely talked about or, or even used or implemented. Now it would appear that, you know, it really um, has, has taken on a life of its own. It, you know, there's even a book out there that's saying, uh, I think the title of it is um, B2B is ABM or ABM is B2B, which might be a little extravagant acclaim. But I think, you know, ABM is here to stay. I think sales and marketing working together has, has obviously become a major theme, particularly in the B2B community and you know, for organizations with large complex sales cycles and high value solutions. In terms of, you know, the turnover of, of people, I mean, clearly, if somebody senior has bought into a program and they leave, there's always, I think, the sort of the risk that that could derail things. But I don't think that affects ABM any more than it would do any other program. And if anything, I would say you know, the, the whole sort of thinking and approach to ABM is about creating insight, creating um, strategy, creating value propositions and, and messaging that are obviously well documented. And that means that they can continue almost, you know, without the requirement for, for the same people. You know, the process is in place. If the accounts are selected and the work has been done, then I think it's quite easy for somebody else to pick that up and to run with it as long as they, you know, as long as they bought into the strategy and the approach of ABM. Okay, so ABM, you've heard of it. It works and it is very much here to stay. I think that's a great note to leave the podcast on. Robert, thank you very much again for your recommendations. So we'll point people to uh, some of those books and resources that you mentioned on on the podcast site, and I hope you uh, hope you will enjoy getting started. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us for another episode of that marketing podcast. You clearly have wonderful taste. We hope you found the content useful and and enjoyed it. We'd love you to subscribe wherever it is you're listening to us maybe leave us a review if you can think of a topic that you you'd like us to cover or even if you fancy coming on the podcast and sharing your own experience on a particular topic that uh, you can reach us at marketing team at spotler.co.uk thanks once again and happy marketing